It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That, of course, is 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. And anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app, then type in 106.5 E-L-M-N-T or 95.7 E-L-M-N-T-F-M and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Paul Emile McNabb. He is the Director of Business Development and Strategic Initiatives at CCAB, which stands for the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. And the CCAB is committed to the full participation of Indigenous peoples in Canada's economy. And as a national nonpartisan association, its mission is to uh, promote, strengthen and enhance a prosperous Indigenous economy through the fostering of business relationships, opportunities and awareness. And CCAB offers knowledge, resources and programs to its members to cultivate economic opportunities for Indigenous peoples and businesses across Canada. And you can find out more by going to their website at ccab.com. So, uh, Paul, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on today. And, you know, uh, I uh, used to be a member of CCAB a long time ago when I first opened up my uh, my business, my first business on uh, Six Nations. Uh, I still have my oh, wow. pla- I still have my plaque. <laughs> I'll get you back on. I, I think so. We'll have to talk about that. Um, right. But listen, before we get into uh, that, let's talk about the reason you're here on the show. And that is because uh, recently uh, Facebook Canada uh, reached out, I guess, and, and partnered with you, with CCAB, to support Indigenous-owned businesses across the country. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, really the, the, the heart of what um, CCAB does um, as a national organization serving indigenous businesses and uh, community economic development corporations is, you know, building uh, business relationships, partnerships um, with all of our members, um, you know, whether they be uh, Facebook Canada, um, you know, really every sector, I mean, we've been doing that for many years, um, whether that's the resource sector, mining, um, forestry, um, and, you know, most recently, obviously the tech sector, um, uh, Facebook, um, uh, you look at some of the new members we work with now, uh, Google Canada as well, Rogers. Mm. Um, so I think the diversity of our membership has has really changed in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's obviously a growing uh, Indigenous population in urban areas like Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto. Um, so we serve all of our members. Um, mm-hmm. And I think really just, you know, with, with the impact of, of COVID-19 on Indigenous businesses um, back in March, you know, we've been doing everything we can in terms of, um, supporting our membership, whether it was, you know, initially, um, you know, promoting Indigenous companies that pivoted and innovated to supplying um, PPE to Indigenous communities and businesses. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, just even looking at, you know, access to financing, which um, has been, um, you know, something that, you know, we've, you know, if you look at CCAB research, which has been around over a decade, um, we're really great at kind of um, bringing that attention to um, the opportunities and challenges Um looking at the data informing policy. So, um, you know, it's these types of partnerships with Facebook that can really help um, um, anything that we can do in terms of um, leveraging those opportunities. And um, the Indigenous uh, Business Support Fund at Facebook was just one of the things that we've done, um, you know, since March to, to help Indigenous businesses that 
you know, we did an indigenous business COVID response survey in March. And, you know, obviously um, there's, you know, looking at challenges in terms of, you know, indigenous businesses, like many small businesses, um, you know, they can't take, you know, they can't take on any more debt. So, you know, what can we do as an organization to support that? So, you know, that was part of that in terms of the the, the grant um, that went out on Thursday, mm. um, access to Facebook's marketing program as well. And, Becoming a CCAB member, which is so important, and that's what I do kind of on a daily basis and in my life is supporting the uh, Indigenous economy and Indigenous entrepreneurship. And now with this, this Facebook application that went out, uh, $500,000 that they were investing with, with your organization um, to help Indigenous-owned businesses, um, people had to be a, a CCAB member, though. Is that correct? Or that some of that money? No, it, was, go- no, it was open to anybody. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, open to uh, any Indigenous business um, um, that met our certified Aboriginal business qualifications on the website. And, okay. I mean, that's that's a really good point. You know, I think it's about, I mentioned the, the importance of building relationships and engagement. So um, part of that was, was CCAB. Um, uh, having a, a membership was so important in that application and becoming a CCAB member um, was included in that in terms of mm. non-members that applied. And okay. that was so important. Right. Uh, and a part of the the grant and and the opportunity and access to the to the training program as well. So yeah, it was open to um, any indigenous uh, business um, that met the the qualifications uh, set out in the support fund. Now I know that this is is closed. Now I, I understand you got really really good uh, response and that uh, it, it's now no longer it, it, people can't apply even though the date hasn't closed officially. But um, but you got a, a great response. Um, can you tell me first of all how did this come about? What what did did how did this uh, you and, and Facebook get together and and how did this all come about? Yeah, I think you know, and I'll preface kind of the earlier comments. I, I think it's really about um, the engagement that we have, and, and I think what CCAB does really well is is building out those uh, business partnerships. So mm. um, you know, I mentioned other companies as well. I mean, it's it's not just Facebook or. We'll have another announcement uh, this week in terms of uh, a new program to support our members. But um, whether it's, you know, the Google Shop Here pro, uh, program that runs through our tools and financing for Aboriginal business program. Um, I mean, that's what CCAB does. And in terms of especially, you know, my role and obviously the great leadership of our CEO, Tabitha Bull, is, is mm. uh, bringing those possibilities um, um, to Indigenous businesses in terms of uh, building out, uh, you know, having organizations like Facebook come on as as members at CCAB and then mm. um, looking at the ways they can contribute to the growing indigenous economy, um, whether that's through research or, or the TFAB program or the progressive Aboriginal relations program. Um, there's many ways that you can engage um, and support the indigenous economy. And I think our, our whole team at CCAB does such a great uh, job at communicating that. And so what was this specific one, this one with Facebook, uh, the $500,000? What what was that? Uh, how was that going to help Indigenous businesses? Was it for specific things? Yeah, I mean, I think number one is, is access to capital and financing, which mm. um, for many years has been a, a challenge. And, and yep. we've worked with our members, you know, not just Facebook, but our MOU and, and partnerships with uh, Export Development Canada and Business Development Canada. We launched... Um, is being able to, 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 you know, I think Tabitha described it the best way in terms of um, the response and the applications that came in, um, you know, shows um, the need to support um, Indigenous businesses from the financing side. And and sometimes while the government did announce in the spring 
Um, sometimes um, when the government announced that, that takes um, several months to, to roll through. Um, and, and obviously NACA uh, and the Aboriginal financial institutions do a great job of that as well. Um, I think this was our way of, of working with a member and um, credit to Facebook that for, for wanting to partner with CCAB and um, being able to deliver um, the grant money, um, which will then soon go out to the successful applicant shortly. Um, you know, uh, getting that money out there right now is so important just mm. um, um, with, with COVID and everything and the impact on small businesses mm-hmm. and um, looking at, you know, lockdowns and, you know, no matter where you are um, in, in, in Canada or in, in Indigenous communities right now, um, I think it shows uh, the need uh, to get that um, money out as soon as possible. Right. Uh, Paul, what were the, the specifications of, uh, of applicants? Uh, as we said, it's closed now, but I imagine that some of the same criteria will be uh, required for people looking for possible future involvement with uh, CCAB. So what, what, are the, uh, what are the requirements that were needed and would probably be associated with other people coming forward that might be interested in uh, getting involved with CCAB and or some of these other uh, uh, potential uh, funding assistance in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So we launched uh, back in 2013 our Certified Aboriginal Business Program, which mm. uh, essentially uh, certifies uh, First Nation, Inuit, and Métis businesses as 51% owned and operated businesses. Um, you know, I think, and you know, with that um, certification, um, which is really a value of, of becoming a CCAB member and access to our um, procurement uh, program with our partners at Tealbook, um, you know, I think that really is, has been um, uh, the focal point in terms of uh, what we've been doing the last few years is, is, is certifying Indigenous businesses. Um, and that was one of the criteria of the support fund. Um, you know, obviously, the, the size of the business um, for this fund, you know, 50 employees or less um, business must have been operating um, prior to March 2020. So obviously, we had some, um, you know, some some qualifications that that uh, applicants had to meet, um, but uh, more so, it's more about um, kind of promoting um, the value of the CCAB membership and and the, um, uh, the the certified Aboriginal business program that you know is available um, to uh, all First Nation and Inuit Métis businesses. Mm. Um, we, we've mentioned the word business quite a bit so far, and I, if you don't mind, I'd like you to uh, uh, explain a little bit of that because you know I think. Uh, for 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 many people, when you hear the word business, we think of a you know and a, a business. But many Indigenous people are entrepreneurs; they're they're uh, uh, sole proprietors, and they're very small. And sometimes they're they don't fall into those the same sort of definition of what we might look at in terms of a, a traditional business uh, approach. Uh, what I'm thinking of is. For instance, what if a, a, a visual artist or a musician came to you uh, for an application? Would, are those applicants looked at the same way as they would be for, say, somebody that's running uh, an accounting firm? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, our, the diversity in our member membership has, has changed, you know, so much over the past few years mm-hmm. um, to meet that, that need, demand. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, whether it's... Um, Indigenous uh, sole proprietors, uh, organizations, um, you know, whether that's the arts, um, uh, you know, I can speak to some great members. We have uh, Dakota Brandt at Sampling in Flint, uh, who I just did my Christmas shopping with and holiday (laughs) shopping. Um, Birch Bark, Spirit Bear Coffee. Yeah, yeah, the goods and services. I mean, I think um, 
you know, with our, you know, anyone can be a member of CCAB. And I think that's the great thing. And, and, and talking to, you know, indigenous peoples and businesses over the last few years um, um, in fashion. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, traditionally, I think, you know, many years ago, I think CCAB, you know, a lot of our membership was from certain uh, industries or certain regions. And I think that's really changed. And, you know, I can speak to the 20 indigenous um, certified uh, IT tech companies that we have, um, mm. you know, Lyle Fabian at Catlow Tech up in Yellowknife, um, who, you know, wants to bring fiber optic mm. uh, network to the north and helping and working with Lyle the past few years. So, um, you know, no matter what region or what industry, I think um, uh, it, it kind of shows the great work our, our team has done. And, and, and you know, uh, my conversations daily with Indigenous businesses from so many different sectors. And it's really amazing. And I'm really lucky to to have the job that I do in terms of uh, engaging with so many wonderful people on a daily basis and, and, and looking at ways to connect and, and network. Mm. Uh, for those people that are not familiar with uh, CCAB, uh, can you give us a little bit of a background, how long it's been around, you know, those kind of things? Uh, yeah, just uh, just some of the background material. Yeah, so we were founded back in 1982. Um, so you're correct. Uh, we have a long history. Um, uh, I've been with the organization uh, from since 2013 in research. And um, yeah, I mean, we were created um, really as, as a way to, to build more of the relationships, partnerships, um, really to, to, to facilitate uh, more business opportunities um, between, um, you know, Business Canada, Corporate Canada, um, and Indigenous businesses and, and communities, economic development corporations of communities as well, First Nation and UAT. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think with a long history and we've done a lot of great things and um, I think we're in a place now where, um, you know, things are, are changing in terms of the economy and we're reacting to that. And I think the, the, the Indigenous business um, economy is growing as well and um, diversifying as well. So, um, you know, I think we've, we've really worked hard to, to, to help as much as we can in terms of um, building out those, those networks and engagement. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a pleasure to have with us here on the show Paul Emil McNabb, and he is the Director of Business Development and Strategic Investment in, Initiatives rather, at the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. And uh, we're partly talking about an announcement that came out rather quickly, I guess around the 1st of December, when uh, Facebook Canada announced that they were going to invest with CCAB $500,000 for support of Indigenous-owned businesses. Uh, Paul, I understand, you know, I did mention this off the top that you got really good response and, and you had to close the door uh, because the response was, was so great. Um, did that surprise you that you got such a great response to this? Um, no, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think it just, it's, it's fairly telling in terms of, um, on the, on the financing side, mm. um, what, what the conversations and, and the need and demand is for financing and, and, and the inability of businesses to take on more debt is, is looking at mm. the reality of, of the economy right now. So, mm. um, you know, and I think like, you know, we, we have, we launched in 2019, the microfinancing program, um, for indigenous women in business, which, we're looking to relaunch again um, um, in 2021. And, and, you know, we're really hoping as well, um, you know, as I me mentioned earlier, you know, really um, 
you know, our, our relationships and partnerships are long lasting and, and we really want to uh, do more. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, we hope to have more programming. Um, you know, we always provide our, our services and programs um, for our members and, you know, stay tuned uh, uh, for next year. Cause you know, we hope to be able to uh, build off of this and hopefully have some exciting more um, things to come mm. next year. Yeah. Paul, how many people are now members of, of CCAV? Uh, right now, um, we're approaching 1,200 members uh, mm-hmm. across Canada. So um, about 65% uh, or more are Indigenous-owned businesses and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. So um, it's really a, a good network, um, you know, and I think just, you know, it's not just, you know, businesses and you know, anyone can be a member too, it, you know. We have, um, you know, municipalities, crown corporations, um, um, universities, colleges um, that are really engaging, whether that's mm. University of Saskatchewan, Simon Fraser University, uh, Brock mm. University just came on as a member and a, a CCAB procurement champion. And, you know, a lot more organizations um, um, out there are, would like to build more relationships with Indigenous businesses and communities and, and procure more Indigenous business in their supply chain. I think that's mm. so important. CCAB has taken a big step back in two thousand. 17 on advocating for indigenous businesses um a five percent spend for for the federal government and and really just um being able to directly connect i mean i know i get questions every day and um just being able uh whether it's through our own program supply change and connecting indigenous businesses directly um to companies that you know are out there and they want to engage and they want to procure more indigenous businesses you know, Paul, one of the things about Indigenous business, uh, as we mentioned, there's uh, many people that are sole proprietors and, and entrepreneurs. Uh, also, though, because I guess just of the the um, the way um, the difference in in being on reserve or, you know, uh, the rural areas and, and where Indigenous businesses could be sprouting up from, um, it, it, it has created a uh, a situation where not uh, all Indigenous businesses uh, go through traditional uh, routes uh, uh, to follow their their business development. Um, there's a there's a line that uh, Tabitha, you mentioned Tabitha Bull, the president and CEO of uh, of the CCAB, that says about two thirds of Indigenous businesses do not use traditional financial institutions. Now that that's quite an interesting statement, and it's quite telling, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I mentioned um, earlier, um, you know, the, the role of, of uh, the National Aboriginal Capital Corporation Association, uh, the fifty or so Aboriginal financial institutions, and that's and that and that's correct. Um, and I think just with certain uh, policies, and, and there's certain things that um, you know the, the, the playing field isn't level in certain cases, mm-hmm. Um, mm. whether that's an on-reserve business, um, an off-reserve business. So um, there's certain things that that play into to financing or, or, or even um, from a community perspective, um, you know, economic development corporations and access to bonding. So there, there's there's always um, things that, you know, we're working on to overcome. And, and there's, you know, great Indigenous organizations out there that are always uh, out there trying to tackle these issues. But, um, you know, that, that is a great point. And, and that's something that, um, you know, we identified, you know, in our research going back far back as 2007, um, when we started um, researching the Indigenous economy and entrepreneurship. Um, uh, to you know, to be able to bring back um, you know all of all of these issues and and to try and create better programs and services to to help tackle these issues. Mm. 
Yeah, Paul, the, just going back to the, the $500,000 and, and Facebook Canada, uh, one of the things it says about this is, is, you know, it talks about the cash grants and, and it says access to Facebook's digital skills training certificate program. What, what does that mean? Yep. So there is um, Facebook provides um, kind of uh, an e-learning course um, that's available online and um, as a part of um, the package, um, the first 100 applicants that wanted access would it be able to um, access the training, which is free, but it would also pay for the certificate as well. So um, that would be available. And I think, you know, looking at our tools and financing for Aboriginal business program, um, we offer, you know, uh, tools and services uh, online in different buckets. So um, marketing is one of them. So um, Indigenous businesses may come to me and, you know, um, you know, look for different type of tools and supports on marketing. So this is something I think is so important. Um, if you're a small business or sole proprietor, um, how would you even get started or what do you know about marketing or social mm. media? So this is another way where we can help provide support and training um, to an Indigenous uh, sole proprietor or business um, that would be interested in, in accessing this program. So um, I think it's just a, a great way, I think, to to offer uh, more support and more tools that, that are available um, from a CCAB member, which, um, you know, there's um, whether it's, um, you know, we have other services available to uh, UPS Canada. We have a 50% off uh, shipping program for Indigenous businesses. And, um, you know, there's a lot of Indigenous businesses out there that export, for example, internationally or to the U.S. So um, that's one way to do that. So we're always looking at ways we can partner with our members to provide more value back in terms of um, whether it's online supports and tools or different services that are available. Mm. Paul, you, you mentioned uh, COVID uh, earlier in, in the program, and and it really did affect business right across the board, as we all know. What have you noticed from your membership and what you've heard back about how uh, COVID affected them, and and what what affected you, you know uh, CCAB itself? Because I know generally, I think you guys at least once a year do a, a big uh, conference uh, and gathering. Uh, maybe even do some awards and those kind of things. What what has what and how have have you ch- adjusted things? Yeah, it's a really great question. I think just you know you're right, and you know we did great events in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary. We did the National Aboriginal Economic Development Conference um, for five years in Calgary, and you know we had to pivot. Um, you know, but I think you know the, you know research showed you know Indigenous businesses are great at innovating and adapting, and I think. You know, there's some great cases of, of, of them doing that, you know, whether that's going into PPE, supporting Indigenous communities. You know, we have the CCAB PPE directory um, that's available. So if um, anyone wanted to purchase PPE from a supplier, we have that available. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made available immediately um, a CCAB COVID services page um, with all um, the different programs that Indigenous businesses can access. Um, but, you know, overall, too, I mean, one of the things we did immediately was the uh, transitioning our events online, virtual. Um, I know a lot of people are maybe tired of, of webinars at this point. Uh, we all <laughs> want to get back outside and get in and shake people's hands again. But, um, you know, we did the business recovery forum event on September 16th, which um, was a great platform and way we could help provide those networking opportunities for a day and business development opportunities for our Indigenous members. Um and, and our, and our uh, other members as well. So, um, you know, stay tuned. We have some great uh, more you know, virtual events coming um, in 2021. So, um, you know, uh, whether that be um, you know, presenting all of our awards or 
more networking opportunities. Um, you know, we've also, um, you know, we did a digital skills event with Tata Consultancy um, last Thursday as well. So, um, you know, webinars uh, through the TFAB program as well um, have been a great way um, to kind of communicate and, and and really be able to to provide as much support as possible. Mm. Paul, the other thing I'm wondering about is we've talked about membership quite a bit with CCAB. Uh, if I were a member of CCAB, w- what are the benefits of my membership, one? And two, what would you say a, a, a member needs to um, needs to do in, in terms of to make sure they take uh, full advantage of their membership with CCAB? That's a great question. Um, yeah, so for First Nation Inuit businesses, um, the, the first value would be um, registering on the CCAB public directory, which is, I think, great in terms of visibility. Um, I'm always sending out companies or, you know, it's an easy way if you Google to find an Indigenous businesses, mm. just be listed on the CCAB directory, which is open to anyone to do a search in a particular region for a particular service or industry. Um, I mentioned earlier um, the uh, access to the Certified Aboriginal Business Program, which is available upon registration. Um, and that's a great uh, way to, um, you know, be on our supplier list. Um, and then with that comes a uh, registration with our supplier diversity partner with Tealbook. Um, so those are kind of the immediate benefits. And and I think it's just, you know, really just comes down to uh, engaging and, and, you know, that's a two-way street. So um, becoming involved, you know, CCAB, you know, we're, you know, when I started in 2013, I think I was the eighth staff member um, uh, working part-time. And, and now we have you know, up to 30 employees um, mm-hmm. doing an incredible job working remotely under these um you know, conditions. So, um, you know, I think that would be the best way in terms of getting to know everyone. Um, we have such, you know, whether it's um, Philip Ducharme or, or Ken Montour or Luann Whitecrow, we have some some great people and, and who do some just incredible work, um, you know, giving back uh, to their communities, um, working with Indigenous businesses everywhere. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, I think we have an incredible team and it's really just getting in touch with the, the more, you know, as someone in business development, the more people you know, the better. And And I think, Networking is so important and, and really just, you know, introducing yourself, um, whether that's, um, you know, a virtual coffee or anything or a hello. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's that's the best way to, to engage with all the great staff we have at CCAB. Right. And, and if people are interested in finding out more, they want to maybe reach out to you. They can get a hold of you through uh, the CCAB website. Yeah, uh, we have our membership uh, information available. Our, our staff information is available on the website as well. So. Uh, feel free to reach out um, if you have any questions and I'd be happy to get in touch with you. Okay. Anything you feel that we've, we haven't touched on that you think is important to mention? No, I, I just think, um, you know, I, I think uh, building, you know, building relationships and, um, you know, everything that, that I do and, and you know, uh, my role is, 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 you know, relationships, business partnerships is a journey and, um, you know, that just takes time to develop. So um, I think it's just really about, you know, and what I do every day is building building trust with our members and being able to go out and uh, uh, providing support. And I think um, uh, providing that support um, um, with the great staff we have is really um, just the, the key to success. So um, I think we do, you know, overall a, a great job in terms of being able to, to do that on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, just like I said, everyone's still working so hard remotely. And I can't say enough about the great staff we have that and doing everything they, they can from from, from all across the country right now. 
Mm, right. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Paul, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the show and talk to us about uh, CCAB and the great work that they're doing. Uh, you did mention a couple of businesses there. Uh, who, who can we put a shout out to uh, in terms of maybe uh, checking out online or going to, uh, to share some dollars with over the holiday season uh, with some of your, your members? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I made you know a promise to myself in terms of you know with with everything, and I'm, I'm in Toronto, so I think the the importance of, of small businesses integral um, to our community and supporting Indigenous businesses is at the forefront. And I've I've uh, purchased all my holiday gifts um, this year um, uh, from Indigenous businesses, and you know whether that's a, a CCAB member, um, Sampling and Flint, uh, Dakota Brandt from Six Nations, um, Birch Bar Coffee, uh, Spirit Bear Coffee. Um, uh, I bought uh, some clothing from uh, 3N from uh, Brandon Nolan's company, uh, Indigenous Clothing Apparel. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know just pretty much uh, dedicated myself uh, to being able to do that, and I think that's so important. And and if you go on CCAB.com, um, our membership directory, directory, you can find out more information about uh, um, our members and, and being able to to purchase uh, Indigenous uh, goods and services uh, this holiday season. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just going to say, if we go to the CCAB website, can we actually see the list of uh, of businesses that are our members that we can then uh, possibly get links to? So that's great. I'm glad that you shared that information and that uh, people now know they can go to CCAB.com, uh, find out about the membership, about even joining, uh, but also find out about members uh, uh, that are already uh, involved with CCAB and maybe do some holiday shopping uh, through those links that uh, they might find there uh, worth checking out. So once again, I say Nyao and Chimigwech for joining us on the show and for sharing that information. I'm Marseille. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. That is the voice of uh, Paul Emile McNabb, and he is the uh, the Director of Business Development and Strategic Initiatives at the CCAB, and it's been a pleasure talking to him about, first thing we started was the uh, Facebook Canada support that they uh, donated uh, $500,000 for investment in Indigenous-owned businesses, and that was very quickly jumped on by uh, businesses across the country. And uh, that was going to uh, give them uh, opportunity for uh, cash grants, access to Facebook's digital skills training certificate program, and membership to uh, CCAB. And uh, CCAB is committed to the full participation of Indigenous peoples in Canada's economy. And it's a national nonpartisan association, and it's uh, there to promote, strengthen, and enhance a prosperous Indigenous economy through the fostering of business relationships, opportunities, and awareness. And that is this part of the program. It's been a pleasure talking with Paul, and it's always a pleasure to have you listening to the show each and every day. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates, as well as ELMNT FM, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Jason Trombley. And he is with the Indigenous Law Students uh, Association uh, at the University of Ottawa. And uh, he's joined us here today to talk about a recent uh, uh, announcement. So it's a pleasure to have uh, Jason with us. And welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me on the show today. Now, Jason, this is uh, something that happened, I guess, in November, uh, where you uh, where you made this presentation and uh, were actually uh, had overwhelming support for this motion to be passed. That's correct. Yes, that was on the uh, the twelfth of November. Oh, that's that's great. So, how long had you guys been thinking of this? First of all, can you give us a little ba- background on it? Yes. So, uh, it, it has been a while that that we were thinking about it. Um, before then, it was other students that were working on this, um, on the motion itself. But just overall, we were working as a student government to decolonize the fa- the faculty of law here at Ottawa, and uh, we were just trying to to have some more connection with the community. We were trying to. There was a lot of discussions, uh, and we didn't know exactly how to go about it. But we knew that this was something that needed to be done to really be recognized as. Uh, a government within the faculty of law. Hmm. Now, the fact that you guys are working in the faculty of law and you're deciding to move forward on this, you know, I, I think of a couple of things when you say decolonize, because I, I think of the the importance of inclusion, uh, for instance, of elders, of, of getting this done right so that it is represented for the indigenous community that you're going to be representing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the involvement and how that evolved in terms of uh, getting people, uh, getting people's input, not just from the students' perspective, but also from the the idea of of making sure that that the indigenous um, uh, practices, laws were were going to be uh, honored and 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 correctly um, maybe represented in this in this presentation and proposal. Yes, uh, it's something that uh, since, like I was saying a, a bit um, on the last question. Since we were working with the community um, here around Ottawa, and as well, there's a lot of students that are coming from outside of Ottawa, Mm. uh, from everywhere in the country. They're bringing their own practices and traditions with them. Mm -hmm. And as well, we have a a very strong support of allies, uh, but definitely we have a a very strong support from the community, um, from the the, the professors that are Indigenous themselves, uh, that are coming from Manitoba, from from Saskatchewan, from uh, all, all of the provinces and territories in in Canada, uh, they were giving us some input as well on how to structure uh, this this to, to structure this new government. Uh, that uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that it will be still called a government mm. um, in the future. <laughs> but we were making sure that uh, the students would um, take some some advice and some counsels with their community leaders, and then would bring it back to the table. So even just around the table uh, for, with the um, all of the executives. There's like they represent each of their nations, and uh, they would bring back their um, their traditions with them. So uh, we would have a, a lot of a lot of uh, a background into it. Mm. And uh, as we move forward, we have so, some elders that we're communicating with, that we're meeting with, uh, to make sure that uh, just the name, the structure, and so mm. on does really represent uh, indigenous and and the nation, hopefully uh, uh, of Canada. Right. So can you take us, uh, tell us a little bit more about the process in terms of just getting this uh, put through? Uh, who did you have to present this to? So initially, it was, uh, it's a simple motion uh, mm. that we had to present to the, uh, 
University of Ottawa Student Union. Okay. Um, so before then, before them, it was the Federation uh, uh, of mm-hmm. Students. Uh, we had to present a, the proposal or the motion to them. Uh, it was revised by them. And then after that, we had some talks with them of, of how exactly we wanted to structure the motion so it would be presented in a, in a good way. Uh, and then after that, uh, we had to present it to the student body at the, the general meeting or the annual general meeting. Uh, and that's when the, the, the vote was being passed. So before that, you just, we still needed to structure it and, uh, and, go all, and go through all the channels of, of approval. Mm. Now, as a self-governing uh, body, uh, no longer recognized as a club or uh, something of that nature uh, within, within the school association, this, uh, how, how will that structure then, do you see, working with, uh, within the overall structure of the university and, and student associations? So it's something that even uh, a student brought that same question to, uh, at the, uh, mm. the general meeting mm. uh, because the, definitely it's something new. It's something that never happened uh, on the campus. Mm. Normally, the, the, normally those kind of student government will be attached to departments or to uh, a, a specific faculty. But in, in our case, it wasn't attached to a department or faculty. So at first, the, the question was raised like, like you, you asked it. But the thing is, we are a, a, a type of law. We are a, a juridical legal system, the, the, the indigenous legal system. Yes. So when we look at it in this context, we realize that now the faculty of law is not just by juridical with the common law and civil law. We realize that there is as well indigenous legal traditions. And when we take that into consideration, we realize that, yes, a third student government within that faculty is necessary to represent the full uh, the full faculty. Mm. And will this affect students, um, Indigenous students outside the, the faculty of law? Uh, most likely, uh, most likely when there's a new, uh, when there's a new Indigenous organization, it will impact them, but it will impact them, we believe, positively, because now there will be some resources that will be made available that mm. are now uh, of, of legal background. Uh, there will be as well some some lawyers. We have some contacts with uh, some alumni and other uh, legal professionals that we're hoping that they will be writing some memos and will be writing some um, some just general brief uh, on, on certain situations, just like the, the Mi'kmaq situation that is happening mm. right now on the East Coast. Uh, and th- those are the kind of things that like we would hope that as the media is, is structuring the, the, some situations and we would hope that uh, some of the alumni and, uh, and some supporters will be uh, giving it a new lens. And now that, uh, and once we present it to uh, the, the student body, then it will help them to now, uh, to now see it in a, better, in a better way or in a new way and hopefully helping them to advance uh, and, and maybe as well getting a, a, a legal degree. Mm. You, you know, obviously, we're talking about law. We're talking about students that are studying law. And, of course, that crosses over into both the colonial system as well as, especially, I'm guessing, a lot of the Indigenous students are, are going to be studying or practicing in areas that will be affecting uh, Indigenous communities um, uh, with the many issues that are out there uh, concerning Indigenous people. Um do you see this as a plus in terms of how this might affect uh, other legal entities and or uh, law 
either societies and, or groups or, or uh, law practices in the country as, as something to, to at least uh, be recognized or say, hey, there's more here that we should be looking at. The reason I ask that is we, we recently did an interview with uh, someone from uh, Alberta. And of course, they are—they're telling their lawyers uh, to start getting up to speed on indigenous law and practices. Part of that, I guess, is coming out of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, and things like that. But do you see this affecting things uh, greater than yourselves? Definitely, definitely. Once we passed that motion, there was such a there was such a, a feeling. There was a feeling that was very unique and uh, that we were, none of us were expecting. Uh, and just the response from the community was so strong. Mm. Uh, not just the, the not just the community here uh, in Ottawa and the, the, just the student body. It was it was a lot further than that. We received some comments. We heard letter. We received letters of support from uh, some universities, even uh, in British Columbia, and some some cabinets. Uh, one, one of the students, even on the on the committee, if I can if I can say that, received a job from <laughs> uh, from that because uh, the. the just the firms realize that yes, as as you mentioned, David, there is much more to this than than just a, a, another student government. What does it really mean? It's just an association turning into a government, but it's mm-hmm. actually a lot more than that. What happened there? Uh, now I think it's gonna it's gonna show hopefully to to even the government to show them that yes, it can work in a very sustainable way when you have those three legal system working together, mm-hmm. working side by side. Uh, it, it is possible to have a structure that does not look like chaos or that uh, that does not look like uh, some superiority of sovereignty and mm. some something is imposed on us. Uh, even we had a lot of talks with uh, the other uh, the other student government uh, within the school and already they were accepting, okay, we recognize you now, you guys are, are a government. What can we do to help you guys out? Mm. What can you guys do to help us out? How can we move forward? And, and there was such a, a piece in, in this that I hope that this really carries forward into uh, into the firms into the practices and and I do see that uh, just the associations um, the, the the legal societies and so on of Canada will will, will move in that way as well to recognize uh, eventually uh, indigenous law well you know this is wonderful news but of course I'm sure you realize that that this was only the beginning of the process, right? You guys really have your work cut out for you now from, I'm guessing, right from the top down in terms of just renaming uh, the organization and and coming up with new names for and, and positions for people, et cetera. Yes. Uh, during, and it's funny that it happened at, uh, on the 12th of November uh, because after that we were uh, we were so excited. We had uh, some celebration during that weekend. Mm. We, we had some some contacts and so on. Uh, and then reality kicked in on Monday when we st- restarted our courses. And then uh, the the weekend didn't last very long that uh, for for that week. Uh, and then after that we we went right back into school. And now it's exam uh, mm. crunch time of the year with exam time. Um, it, it's going to be uh, very hard to balance because we know that it is a, a big undertaking. Yes. Um, there, there's a lot of meetings that still need to happen to figure out uh, the funds, to figure out, as you mentioned, the name, the constitution, uh, or, or whatever that document will look like, uh, and, and everything else for, from the position and so on. Even right now, I'm the treasurer of, of ILSA, the Indigenous Legal uh, mm. Law Students Association, but now it's now we just change association to government, but mm. we hope to, to change a lot of things within it. So... Uh, but we have a very strong team and we have so many supporters, allies that just came forward and said, 
guys, if, if there's anything we can do to help. Uh, and we saw that it was genuine. It was not something that, uh, uh, we would, that, that we would regret in the future. So we were really, really excited about that. Now, the other thing, of course, is I'm sure that other universities uh, and organizations are probably looking to you um, and maybe you've already had calls from other schools asking about this and, and how they can start to implement something like this in, in, in their own schools. Uh, we did. We did uh, receive some some connections from some contacts with them, even uh, even at the international level. Mm. Uh, we received some some emails and just people asking us, "How did you guys did it?" Mm. Um, and and it's actually it was as simple as it was. It was just emotion. Right. Um, it was simply emotion. But we know that behind the scene there was a lot that happened, and it took several years to really have the the support to have yeah. to, to prepare the ground. Um, but we do we do see that it's going to happen uh, in in other universities, other faculty of law, because right now, as you mentioned earlier, the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Call to Action Twenty Eight uh, requires the law schools to have a, to offer a mandatory course on Indigenous and the law. But I think that this is much further than this than the than the Truth and Reconciliation, and that's something that has to emerge really from the student body uh, that the Truth and Reconciliation I, I don't think imagined within their their framework. So I, I, I'm excited to see that happening. Mm. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and then type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My guest here on Moment of Truth is Jason Tremblay. He is the uh, University of Ottawa Indigenous Law Student Governing Body uh, Treasurer and he's joined us on the show to talk about their recent announcement uh, which changed them from a club or a group within the university to a self-governing body. So congratulations to them first of all and Jason, you know with the with the as you pointed out earlier there's th- there's three three forms of law in Canada there's Canadian law there's the common law and then there's the indigenous law and and I'm wondering you know how many people do you think in in the country realize that those three branches of law exist I don't have the stats in front of me um, <laughs> generally I, generally I I don't think that many people even realize that civil law is a recognized body of law uh, within Canada and it's applicable to to Quebec only mm. uh, but common law is applicable to the whole country and every every level of government uh, but when we come to to indigenous law it's the question is always where does it fit within that whole mm. legal framework and that whole legal system in Canada and I think it does work very closely with with uh, other Canadian laws because, uh, as the Constitution is uh, from a, from a brief research, uh, it's often mentioned that the Constitution is a living tree, so it's supposed mm. to really grow and expand and and evolve uh, through time and and really adapt with the society. And I and I think that this is something that didn't really happen with the Indigenous law, uh, and it, it and it was often treated as two different trees and two different things. But I think that. It can really evolve into a beautiful thing uh, as we as we uh, implement that that third type of uh, um, that third, that third type of law, mm. uh, the the indigenous law. So, you know, as as a governing body now, what does that what does that really mean in terms of freeing you up from and changing you from an association uh, or or a, a, a club uh, within the association? What will this now mean for you and what you can do? 
uh, first of all, I think the big word is independence. Mm. It gives us a lot of, of, of that independence, a lot of freedom to make the decision uh, for the positions. Uh, before, there was, a, there was a need. We had to uh, have a constitution. We had to have uh, certain, certain bylaws, certain things, certain definitions and certain uh, positions and so on, like, like a president and a treasurer and, and so on. But now, with that independence, we can, uh, we can actually really create it the way we want. We can establish and structure something that really reflects the traditions and the culture and communities uh, that are represented on campus right now, the, the indigenous communities. So, and I think that's that's where uh, the beauty comes in because it can really be shown that it is not uh, it is not something that uh, that is or structured by the government or that is enforced by government or even that looks like chaos and right. uh, and, and savagery. Jason, do you have any idea what the population, the indigenous population is on the University of Ottawa? I'm uncertain because uh, I know the one of uh, of the Faculty of Law, but mm-hmm. the one for the, the whole campus, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not certain. Okay. Uh, but, but there's about 200, uh, 200 students within the Faculty of Law wow. Uh, wow. that are indigenous. Yes, uh, when when I heard that number as well, I was I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, um, because we don't of, often see them mm-hmm. because it's still very stigmatized and, mm. and marginalized, even within the, the context of of a faculty of law. You would hope that there would be some justice there or fairness, but unfortunately, it's not because it's very hard to adapt uh, just to the colonial uh, education system. But and, and further to try to get into law school is very hard. So uh, off the time, we're just buried in books. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and trying to adapt. Of course. You know, Jason, the other thing that comes to mind is uh, as you guys move forward, and, and I'm sure that, you know, you're going to have lots of discussions and lots of talks about how this will roll out and how this will develop in terms of being able to make sure that y- you represent uh, the, the new kind of laws that you're going to be now governed by, uh, the indigenous laws and practices. And of course, you know, one of the things that, that it's pointed out in, in this article that I read uh, on this whole thing is that uh, you, you are going to be representing people from right across the country. And that means there are many nations, uh, as we know, right across this country and uh, similarities, but there's differences. So there might be Haudenosaunee, there's Cree, there's Ojibwe, Algonquin, etc. Um, how do you guys look at, at how to potentially incorporate and, and manage that side of it? That's something that we'll be furthering, further discussing with uh, within uh, within our our council. Mm. Uh, we'll we'll be talking with uh, the other community members. But one thing that that I can say uh, right now, uh, because there will be a lot more information, obviously in the new year, uh, as we go through the, the holiday period, we'll be talking. We'll have some more discussion uh, together. We'll have time to reflect on on everything that it means and 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 how we want to move forward and new names. So in the new year, definitely there'll be some new information. But as of now, what I can say is that. Uh, we want to merge and, and, and just commit as much as possible uh, to every nations that, mm. that, that are represented on the campus. Obviously, there will be some, some things that we will not uh, be covering, but we'll try to, to go um, as broadly and general as possible. But we'll try to go f- at the foundation and uh, some of the things that we considered was really uh, from the, the creation stories that mm. are, are emerging from the various nations. Mm. Those are the ones that at first, when we had our first few meetings, we listened to a lot of uh, creation stories. We, we started making some research about the creation stories to really try to to ground it in those creation stories instead mm. of, of trying to see, okay, what's happening now? 
uh, and we and we thought this was this this was going to be uh, more beautiful, like planting a new tree in some ways. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of that, as you move forward, um, you know, as a lawyer and and someone, you know, all these lawyers, indigenous lawyers, uh, you're going to have to work in these two worlds. You know, it's going to just, I guess, it's going to be a daily practice. You probably already are recognizing that um, of balancing the colonial style law that you're going to be functioning within certain areas and then trying to balance or bring in some of these other practices and, and laws uh, from the indigenous side. Um, for yourself, can you, can you give us a sense of, of how you find uh, that uh, moving forward for yourself and, and maybe that other students are thinking of this as well? It's just, never just, easy. just the practice, yeah, the practicality of it, right? Yeah. For sure. Uh, it's, it's never easy um, to learn because right now when we're in law school, what we learn is colonial law. Mm-hmm. We learn the civil law. Uh, myself, I'm in the both programs. So I do civil law and I do a little bit of common law as well. Um, so we that's what we learn mainly. And then when we go into the world, then we have to apply those indigenous laws. But that's not something that we learn. We had to teach it ourselves. Mm. Uh, and that's something that uh, most of the indigenous students on campus, that's what they're doing right now. Or I should say the faculty, that's what they're doing there. We, we take a lot of our time to go and dive into indigenous laws. What does it look like? How does it How is it created? What are the principles to recognize it and so on? And then after that, we try to implement them in the colonial law and try to see how do they fit together, but how does it how, how does it function uh, indigenous law independently even from colonial law? What what could it look like? Uh, so and for myself, what I'm hoping is that in the future, obviously, uh, if I'm working a, a, in the public sector or the private sector, I'm hoping to take on some cases and hopefully make uh, ha- have the, the the law evolve, uh, including indigenous law in it. Mm. Jason, what what drew you to law? What what attracted you? That's a good one. Uh, what attracted me, I think, was uh, was just the aspect of the books. I was always interested by books and how how can uh, how can those words that were printed are very static, mm. um, but they mean so much. Every comma, every period, every every word mm. means means something, and it was placed very carefully by mm. the writer there. Uh, so it was very interesting to me. Uh, I worked from for some years in in a bank, uh, and all those policies was very exciting. Mm. But I knew that there was a lot more to it because I knew that every time there was a new policy or a new law that was passed, it was going to affect people. And I, I didn't know to which extent. And, and I think that that was one of the big reasons, uh, definitely, for the, for, definitely for the Constitution. I was like, there's only a few articles in it. And, and how can it be applied to every single citizen? Mm. And how can it be applied to the government? And, and so I went, when I dived into it, I realized that there was so much into it. There was so many, uh, there was so much interpretation to do. And that's what uh, most of law school is, is, mm. uh, is just trying to figure out those interpretation and research them. Right. Uh, fascinating. And, and what about, uh, do you have an idea of, of the kind of law that you are looking to practice in the future? I'm hoping that it's going to have to do something with indigenous law because it's exciting. It's emerging too. So. Right, right. Um, Jason, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, you know, and congratulations to you and the uh, student uh, organization uh, on this uh, on this movement and, and having this move forward. I thank you so much, David, for having me. And uh, I hope to, to be speaking with you in the in the new year and telling you some more about uh, 
our upcoming information. Well, that would be fabulous. We look forward to that. We'd love to hear about how this is moving forward, the advancements you're making, uh, maybe perhaps some of the, uh, the the trials that you're coming up against, and certainly share this information so that the word gets out there to other Indigenous students and Indigenous people across the country, other schools that might be listening, and, uh, and hopefully uh, get them thinking about maybe moving in this direction, and if they have questions, maybe getting a hold of you guys at the University of Ottawa as well. Yes, for sure. Jason, thanks again. We uh, look forward, as you say, to speaking with you in the new year. Thank you. All right, take care. That's the voice of Jason Trombley. He is the University of Ottawa's Indigenous Law Students Association. Um, well, it's now the Indigenous Law Student Governing Body. And uh, we look forward to speaking and, and hearing from Jason and their organization in the future in terms of how they're doing. And that is this part of the show. And we always, of course, like you listening to us each and every day. And we thank you for joining us here on Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. And we will, of course, see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.